Good morning, church. I am Ray Brook, and today's scripture reading is Psalm 130. My soul waits for the Lord, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark inequities, O Lord, who could stand before you? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope is in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel and all its inequities. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Ray, and uh, good morning, Evergreen. My name is Ron Johnson. I'm uh, on the leadership team here, and it's uh, my privilege to open God's Word and share. And I love uh, the summer series that we're in called Songs of Refuge, where each week we, we look into the Psalms. It's my favorite Old Testament book. It's the largest book in the Bible with 150 chapters. In fact, 20% of the Bible is, uh, is psalms, and psalm actually means a sacred song or hymn. And I think, I've said this before, but I think God made the Bible 20% psalms because He knew it would be the music we sing and the music we listen to that would bring us closer to Him. Music is a tremendously powerful force in our lives, isn't it? And I pray that this sacred song from Psalm 130 will be a force for good in your life today. In fact, let's pray and seek God for just that. Lord, let this song speak to each and every person listening right now. Open our ears to hear this music for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 130 is just eight verses. It's one of the 15 songs of ascent that Jewish people would sing as they walked up the hill uh, going on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. The chapter title in my Bible says, My Soul Waits. And I'm going to ask us to consider this question right now. What is your soul waiting for? You might notice that verses 1 and 2 go together to form a thought, and the same with verses 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, 8. So this is a four-part message. So let's look at part 1, verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. 
And I like how the message translation says this, help God, the bottom has fallen out of my life. Hear my cry for help. Listen hard. Open your ears. Listen to my cries for mercy. Notice all the exclamation points. Every phrase has one. And this isn't a call to be quiet and pray somberly. This is a call to cry out to God. Now, we associate mountain peaks with achievements in life, you know, the good things, and we associate valleys or the depths, as the psalmist says here, with the challenging times in life. So this pandemic probably feels more like a valley, am I right? So I hope you are taking the advice of the psalmist and talking to God more than ever these days. That's the advice he gives, to cry out to God for mercy. Maybe your prayers sound like this, dear God, all the things that I thought were certain and secure, I'm now realizing they are not. I thought I'd always have an upwardly mobile job situation if I worked hard and got along with my boss. I thought my 401k would keep growing. I thought my city would always be peaceful. I thought I'd always be able to send, uh, see my friends at school. It never occurred to me that I might not be able to go to my favorite restaurant or a Mariner game in the summer or even church on Sunday morning. I didn't realize they would die this soon. And notice what the psalmist says that we should be talking to God about. In the depths, we ask for mercy from God. We cry out to God and ask for mercy. Now, mercy means to show compassion. And the definition of compassion is a strong desire to alleviate suffering. And that's what God does if we cry out to Him. Now, God is not a genie in a bottle that magically changes all of our negative experiences and circumstances, and and certainly bad decisions uh, have consequences. But He does promise us His presence and His peace. And that's exactly what we need in the valley times of our life, isn't it? With God's present presence, we can be sheltered from despair, sheltered from wanting to give up, to be reminded of what we can be grateful for and what we can be hopeful about. That's the work that God's presence, the Holy Spirit, is doing right now. One day a number of years ago, I was experiencing a really heavy heart. It's that heaviness that you can literally feel in your chest. I'm not sure anybody else can relate, but I could feel it. And I remember driving, actually, from Mercer Island to Bellevue, and I remember exactly where I was on the East Channel Bridge when I literally cried out to God, I asked for mercy at the top of my lung, or top of my voice. And as I drove down Bellevue Way towards home, I remember that weight gradually being lifted. It was like air being let out of a balloon. You see, I cried out to God. He heard me, and His presence literally relieved the weight that was on my heart. What is your soul waiting for? Cry out to God today. All right, part two in uh, verses three and four. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, 
O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Marking iniquities. Can you imagine that if there was a giant chalkboard and a guy with a piece of chalk putting a hash mark every time you sinned, every time you didn't do something you were supposed to or did something you should not have? That's not what Jesus is about. Now, there are certain religions of the world where that's definitely what it's about. Your behavior determines your identity and your standing with God. But that's, uh, that is not the message of Christ. And this is what I love about the Christian church. Our message rises above everything, rises above all the other noise. Uh, a famous theologian, Charles Spurgeon, once said, the study of God's Word is the highest science. It's the loftiest of pursuits and the mightiest discipline we can pursue, even more than physics, I guess. As the church, we have great news to share. Our news is that in a relationship with God, we don't get what we deserve. We know where we came from. We get to experience meaning and purpose in life. We know our destiny. As we read the Bible, we learn about the justice of God, the compassion of God, and His love for our creation. Folks, that's what the world is longing for right now, and that's what we need to help them find. I think Evergreen has been successful as a church for nearly 70 years because we fly above all the partisan bickering. We don't need to get stuck in the headlines of the world. We have the written lines of the Bible, and we keep Jesus the main thing. At one of our men's breakfasts a couple of years ago, I wish I could remember who the speaker was, but he had said, you've got eight hours to sleep, you've got eight hours to work, and what will you do with the other eight hours? Over the years, I've been able to serve at Evergreen in a number of capacities, and I really value the time I've been able to serve here. What is your soul waiting for? We're on a mission from God. God has given us a mission to answer the longings of our friends and neighbors. Come join us here. Find a way to use your gifts. We could really use your help. So part three is from verses five and six. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His Word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Now, notice the, uh, the repetition there. The psalmist really wants us to get that watchman illustration, right? Now, we don't have watchmen in our culture today. Uh, I don't even remember watchmen uh, during uh, Downton Abbey times, but in the time this psalm was written, Cities would have watchmen that walked along the fortified city walls at night to make sure that no enemies were sneaking up. It was a relief, I would imagine, just to make it to dawn, right? They were, not waiting, or they were, they were certainly waiting for their uh, shift to get over, but they were eager to make it safely home to be with their family. And we, too, are waiting to make it safely through the night as well, aren't we? Some are waiting to hear about layoffs at work. Some are waiting for their retirement accounts to get back to 2019 levels. Some are waiting to find out if the test is positive, if their job will come back, if that relationship will ever heal, if school or church will ever reopen again. 
Now, there are hours of teaching we could do on waiting on God, but let's just look at that one phrase the psalmist uses, in his word, I hope. In times of uncertainty, uh, the uncertain times like we're in today, what can I still be certain of? How about the promises that God has made in his word? Every single one of them is 100% reliable. So I ask, have you ever taken the time to read a list of the promises God makes in the Bible? The one I like was put together by an online resource uh, called Bible Study Tools from our friends at, at Crossway. And we would love to make this list available to you. If you look in the uh, link to the Sunday bulletin that got emailed to you um, yesterday and, or on Saturday and hopefully will be in the, the notes as I speak, uh, you can get a copy of that, download a copy. And if you have any questions, you can certainly email the, the church office as well. But uh, there's probably 40 or 50 in this document, just a, a small representation of God's promises. Like James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God, and he'll give generously to you. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, God's faithful to forgive us. Joshua 1.9, 1, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. <clears throat> Author John Eldridge says there are three types of hopes. Casual hope, boy, I hope it doesn't rain on our hike today. Then there's precious hope, I hope I can earn enough money to support my family. I hope I don't get cancer like my relative. And then there's ultimate hope. God's promises are where our ultimate hopes should lie. And hear this, when we put things that should be casual or even precious hopes up into that ultimate hope category, we set ourselves up for disappointment and depression. And we do this, right? And during football season, oh dear God, the Seahawks have to win this Sunday. And if they don't, we're depressed on Monday. At work, if they turn me down for this promotion, I am going to quit at school or with your kids. If my child doesn't get into that, doesn't get into University of Washington or wherever, if they don't make varsity, if a coach doesn't start them tonight, I'm going to be angry. So I, I ask you this morning, what are you putting your hope in this morning? Are you saying, boy, if I could just get my job back, if I could just get married if I could just earn $10,000 more a year, if I could just get our kids into that school or out of that school, if I could just, well, you fill in the blank. Don't set yourself up for depression. Get that list of God's promises and meditate on those. So finally, part four in verses seven and eight. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is our closing proclamation, where it says, Israel, put your name there. 
O Ron, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Ron from all his iniquities. Thank God for that. So remember what redemption means. We, we turn in a coupon or something, and we, we get back and return something else. And in this case, we turn in all the things we did or didn't do, all the ways we missed the mark during our time on earth. And God gives His acceptance to those who are feeling unworthy. Are you feeling lonely this morning? God gives His companionship to the lonely. Are you confused and bewildered at what's going on right now? God gives wisdom and guidance to the bewildered, His peace to the anxious. He opens our eyes to the beauty of His creation. Do you have doubts? Well, God gives meaning to life to those who have questions and doubts. For those who are afraid of what this pandemic is doing to our world, God says, none of this surprises me. I got this. I think Isaiah 43.1 sums this up for us. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Evergreen, what is your soul waiting for? God is calling you by name. You are known by Almighty God, and this is what all of humanity is longing for. You have the answers to the longings of your friends and family. Be honest with them and say, I've been trying to detangle my life from all the headlines I've been hearing and reading about and just pursue the truth behind the written lines in God's Word. So I invite you, lay down the headlines and pick up the written lines of Scripture. We are on a mission from God. Let not your soul wait any longer. Come join us. Let's, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your Word and how it speaks to our life today. We'll be honest with you, Lord. Our souls are waiting for more of you, and we ask for that, more of you today. Help us realize that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.